Well, since uh, this week is the 4th of July, I thought it would be good to spend some time talking about freedom, and in particular, freedom in Christ. But as we think about freedom, the leaders of the colonies determined that it was not good to be under a foreign government, at least foreign to them, in the fact that it was several thousand miles away and they had no representation in it. Uh, as I thought about that, I wondered how much representation would they have needed to have been felt included? One, two representatives for each colony? 26 members in the House of Parliament wouldn't have made much difference. But anyway, that's what they said, no taxation without representation. And so they desired freedom from that government. But here's the funny thing about freedom. Freedom from one thing usually leads to being under something else. So they, got it, they had freedom from Great Britain, but then they created their own government that they were now subject to. Freedom does not mean freedom. <laughs> it just means now I can do this. Take, for instance, when you pay off your auto loan, now you have freedom to use that money for some other purpose. But that's what you're going to do, isn't it? You're going to use it for some other purpose. <laughs> it's still going to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> so freedom means moving from one thing to be free to do another. So I decided to teach from Romans chapter 6. And when I told uh, Pastor Brandon that that was going to be my passage, he was incredulous that I would want to do one whole chapter in one sermon. So I had to assure him that we were going to read chapter 6 so that we had the context of the selected verses that I'm going to speak to. <laughs> so we are going to read chapter 6. So if you get your Bibles out, and I did not prepare slides, so you'll need your Bible. I'm an old guy that thinks that it's good to actually look at your Bible. <laughs> chapter 6, the whole chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be unified with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. 
but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought, bought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were set free. You were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit which you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Three points. The old self crucified, set free from sin, now slaves of righteousness. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The old self crucified. The whole concept here is that the old self has died, and so therefore we are no longer controlled by it no longer enslaved to it. We have a new master now. Before we received Christ as our saviors, Savior, there was no choice but to sin. Everything we did was about us, and we sinned. But now something new has happened. That old nature is to be done away with. Verse 11. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin <clears throat> and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This word consider means we need to evaluate the evidence of what we have seen, what we know, and come to the conclusion. And so because the old self was crucified with, along with Christ, we need to evaluate that fact and consider ourselves dead to sin. 
King James used the word reckon. I like that word, to reckon, to, to come to that conclusion, to know that the old self has died. And now that we are dead to sin, we are alive to Christ. Ephesians 4.22 says it this way, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's the picture that that brings to my mind, is taking off that old self, that coat, and putting it aside, and being no longer enshrouded in that life. So that old life has been put away. And one of the things, <clears throat> it does no good to wash that old coat or to patch it. We need to put it aside and leave it. And so we're considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. We're making that decision based on the evidence of being united with Christ in his death. And so now we have been set free from sin. Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. We can no longer say, the devil made me do it. When we were, before we were saved, that was true. We were under his authority, we were under his power. And we did what he commanded. But now we've been set free from that slavery. And we, make our, we follow Christ and we do what Christ says. And if we do make that choice to sin, it's we made that choice. We weren't snared by the devil. We just did it. We can't blame anybody else. The, the one thing that hinders us in, in this, I think, is perhaps a, a prisoner mentality. Those of you that know, I mean, understand it, it. A prisoner, especially if they've been in prison for a long time, has a lot of trouble adjusting to life on the outside. They're used to the inside. We've been enslaved to sin for a long time in our lives. And so once we are set free, it's hard to adjust to the new life sometimes. But we need to make that careful consideration and make that decision and receive what we have from Christ. Verse 18, and having now been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. That free from one thing to be under another is in effect here. We have been set free from sin so that we are now slaves of Christ and we are slaves of righteousness to follow him. This too, <laughs> we need to consider, make that evaluation and agree to it and, and turn that way. Verse 22 but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and to its end, eternal life. <clears throat> so we're slaves of righteousness 
and we are slaves of God for sanctification. Sanctification means that improvement in our life where we become more and more like Christ. That should be our goal. That should be our desire. And we do need to work toward that. But part of it is just relinquishing control of our lives and being and giving control to him and remembering that we've put off the old man that we have considered ourselves dead to sin so because of what Christ has done the old self has been crucified and because of what Christ has done he has united us with himself and so we are now his slaves we are free from sin we are free to do righteousness and we can do righteousness because of him and through him not of our own selves but freedom is not license as many think uh, you know there's a lot of I think trouble in our country because people want to say that, well, freedom allows me to do anything and whatever makes me happy. But that's not the case. Freedom is not license. Verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? There are some who think that, and this verse was, is directed directly toward that, well, since grace has come to, <clears throat> to take care of sin, the more we sin, the more grace there be, the better off, that would be good. Or, the, in contrast to that, since, since I'm dead to sin, then everything I do must be good. Well, that's not true either. But, and so, the, the answer here is, are we, are we to sin? And the, and the answer is no, because we've already died to sin. How can we still live in it? That doesn't make any sense. But the, but the question then comes up to, into our minds. If we are dead to sin, why do we still sin? Why do we still sin? Well, I've come up with a couple of examples, I guess you'd call them. Slavery. You remember just a few weeks ago, there was a celebration of June 19th, the day that the slaves in Galveston finally heard and the government sent troops to make sure that it was obeyed, that they were free. <clears throat> So there's some that don't know that they're free from sin. They, those slaves in Galveston didn't know that they were technically free. They just hadn't heard the news. And so the scriptures written here to tell us that we are free. It was necessary to write and tell these Christians, these new Christians, that they are now free from sin. So some don't know, don't understand, haven't made that careful consideration to say that they are dead to sin. And then even though we are dead to sin, we're still feeling the effects of sin. 
There's sin in the world, there's sin in our lives, and oftentimes we are caught up in it. And then an addict. An addict sometimes, by force of will, can't overcome their addiction, but yet the addiction is still there. And it is so easy to go back. And most addicts in the, that are trying to recover go through that cycle time and time and time again until hopefully they finally break free. Maybe that's part of what's going on in our lives, that example of the, the prisoner that I gave. And then also, the old code is still around. We can pick it up and put it back on, even for just a little while. But even a little while is too long. It's, we need to consider that thing burned and gone and not pick it up again. So the call for us is to consider ourselves dead to sin as, as we're instructed here in chapter 6. And knowing that we are free from sin, live that life of freedom to serve Christ in righteousness and in sanctification. Now, to go back to the beginning, this is only available to those that have received Christ as their Savior. Those that have not are still under sin, are still slaves of sin. And so I wanted to go through what you need to know to receive Christ as your Savior. Romans 5, 8 but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because of sin, Christ died and took the punishment for sin that we deserved. He did that on our behalf. And it's available to all, but not all avail themselves of it. Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. But we have to take it. We have to accept it. Back when I was little, our pastor often used the children of the church to help him show this. And he would fish in his pocket and he'd get a piece of small change, a nickel, a dime, or a quarter. And then he would call one of us up and say, I'm going to give, this is, this is yours. This is a gift to you. And then he would ask us, do we have it? And of course, we, hadn't, we don't have it because he hasn't given it to us yet. And so the, to show that the gift was there, but they had to accept it. And so eventually it would be offered out and we would accept it and that would be an example of, of this. The wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to accept it. So there's the knowledge that Christ has died for us. Our part is to accept it. How do we accept it? Romans 10:13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that simple to just call, just to ask, and to receive that free gift of eternal life. 
And then you can be set free from sin. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the guidance it gives. Thank you for the instruction that it gives. Lord, help us to leave that old code alone, that we might truly be your slave, that we might be obedient slaves, that we might be good slaves of you. In Jesus' name, amen.